0: This podcast is brought to you by Central, helping schools work smart. Hello, I'm Colin Klupik, and you're listening to Central Station, where I talk with a diverse range of people committed to making a positive impact on education. You can subscribe to these interviews wherever you get your podcasts, and to keep in touch, you can join us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Richard Andrew had a career as a maths teacher spanning several decades. In recent years, he's been helping other teachers by developing online professional development courses covering maths teaching and student engagement. Like for many teachers, the first few years were really tough and it was only after many years that Richard discovered the value of teacher transparency in the classroom. It's not about being see-through but more about being a real person with the desired effect of reducing stress, defusing reactive situations and improving learning outcomes. It's a serious subject with a lighter side. And Richard was kind enough to share a few of those experiences. Richard, you've been teaching for a long time. In fact, it spans multiple decades. And I'm, I'm very curious, out of all of that time, or over that, over that long period of time, when did you start to think about the concept of transparency and why, that, why you think that might be a good idea for a teacher?
1: Well, uh, sadly, Colin, um, much later in my career than, than I would have liked looking back, you know, like I, I learned a lot of stuff more recent. well, towards the end of my um, classroom teaching career that would have been very handy to know in my first five years. Um, and I guess I've probably thought more in terms of transparency since I've been running professional development uh, courses with teachers in the last, say, decade. So when you have when you uh,
0: stepped out of the classroom, you had a little bit of yeah, rear window but, sort of thing going on.
1: Yeah, but I had a pretty major epiphany um, probably in the early 2000s when I discovered there was this idiot in my classroom who was just making <laughs> my job way much harder than it needed to be. And I was, seriously, it was – because, I, you know, I guess I was – I was a teacher who uh, had phenomenal rapport with certain classes, but if it wasn't going my way, um, I would flip to this kind of Mm. grumpy, you know, pseudo disciplinarian, which I could never pull off. So let's Um, let's work as
0: a team and do it my way, type of thing.
1: Yeah, and um, (laughs) one because I I was—I was—I've always been very self-reflective, and so you've got you 've got the you know you you're the person doing the talking or whatever and then you've got this other commentary commentator going Richard d- do you really realize what's going on right here you know like <laughs> why are you making yeah you know, this is as I'm doing my thing you know why are you making your your task here so much div- more difficult than it needs to be um, so yeah that was quite interesting and, and and because I I was aware that my Default personality is actually quite jovial and, you know, I laugh a lot and all this sort of stuff. But, like, where's that guy? Uh, in this classroom, there's this grumpy, grumpy dude who's, you know, turning the kids off in this moment. And and uh, I was thinking, this is just not productive. <laughs> and I literally walked <laughs> out of the room thinking, how do I get the real guy in here? You know, like, what do I do? And um, I never really thought about it much, but – I don't know. A, few, a month or two later, maybe you I noticed con-
0: that you weren't concerned about that real person being visible in the classroom. Maybe that it was the, was there an element of uh, fear there in in terms of uh, not that no. you were afraid, but that, that that you were somehow hardwired to think I couldn't possibly show students any side of my personality that w- that would no, give anything no, away. No it,
1: was, no, it wasn't that at all. Because see, my uh, my in I started in the eighties. Uh, which gives my age age away a bit, but um, and and I was a PE a maths teacher. Um, so in my PE days, I I had um, after if we ignore the disastrous first year, which is one of the hardest <laughs> first years of any teacher, and man, that was tough. But after that, like I I my normal default was just to have a blast with the kids and and really like enormous rapport and all that sort of stuff, and um, you know. So I was fairly used to that that sort of default fun-loving personality in the classroom, but in, in situations where things aren't going my way, I would flick to this grumpy, you know, counterproductive person. And a lot of teachers relate, because I to actually tell the story in, in, in a couple of my courses, and, and a lot of teachers relate to this, and they go, oh, man, you know, that's, that's me. You're, you're describing me there. Because it is difficult to be yourself – with a class that um, is not on your page. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Particularly when so you, that,
0: particularly when you think that you have got a really good program going, or that you think you've put a yeah. lot of effort into a lesson or a program or some kind of an activity, and you that, think this is going to be great, and then they come back with the reaction of, "No, actually, this is not that great."
1: These people are putting a handbrake on my sacred lesson.
0: So the real me, I'm I'm curious, why did you then think that uh, something needed to change in terms of you being the real you or trying to bring the real you back into the classroom? Why why not some other construct of you?
1: Well, no, I I guess I knew, this is what you asked about the term transparency. And in that that, that moment, I wasn't thinking I need to be more transparent in the classroom, but that's exactly what it was all about. So, I was. Uh, here's another revelation that I had way, way too late in my career. This was never a conscious intention, never a conscious thought until I understood this. But all through my career, I had this kind of mindset that, Richard, to be a real teacher, you have to be a disciplinarian. You've got to be able to, you know. At those times, you've got to be able to really kind of bring down that that disciplinarian kind of teacher. You know those teachers that can walk into a classroom and everyone goes quiet and they don't even (laughs) even frown? The scary people. (laughs) Yeah, they just have this demeanour. And I was always in awe of those sorts of people. I thought that's what you have to do to be a real teacher, right? And so I would try to pull this kind of disciplinarian thing off at times and it would always backfire because it's not me. That's mm. a person. It's kind of like a personality. You can't teach that. You've either got it or you haven't. And when I realised it's never going to happen, Richard. Every time you try and do that, it just goes pear-shaped. So just don't try and do it. Be like you've got to find your own way. And um, you know that that story resonates to a lot of a lot of teachers. They go, "Wow, I hadn't thought of that." But you're right. You know, do you, do you find if, that's
0: if, sorry? Do you find that's particularly for first year teachers or early teachers? Anyone anyone
1: i I, I was still trying this act out you know 15 years into my career there was certain classes you know when things aren't going my way i try and pull the disciplinarian card and it never works well i mean you might get a short-term result you might get them quiet and jumping a bit for a while but it doesn't work long term because they don't you don't gain more respect out of it you don't it, it just, it's just a stupid thing to do.
0: And being a disciplinarian, I can imagine, just isn't really that interesting relative to what you're trying to achieve with the students. So in, in that sense, what did it start to look like for you then? What,
1: when I was more transparent? Yeah. Well, okay, so I actually thought about this. Um, there's an example that came to mind recently. So um, I, I, I walk into this classroom. So I've got a class of kids and – one of the boys is – he's a nice kid, but he's just always doing stuff to try and get attention, and he's hes actually very clever, but hes he he plays the I'm not very clever card. And, and you know, he's just one of those kind of sort of obnoxious kids, but they're not. They're very likable as well. Anyway, so I walk in, and all I see is this guy. I'll call him Gary. Um, like uh, in midair, horizontal, <laughs> fly, fly – Leaping out with his hand stretched to, ca- to catch the duster that he's, that he's spotted falling down from the, the, the blackboard. Maybe someone chucked it or something. And he catches it as well, mind you, with a, with a hell of a lot of, of noise, right? Yeah, sure. Just, ah! and, said, <laughs> uh, and now, the thing is, before I had this epiphany of you've got to be transparent, I would have defaulted to this whole disciplinarian thing, you know, barked at him, sent him to detention, whatever the standard kind of practice, because it's not something that you really try, try to invite in your class. But because I was much more relaxed now, I, I saw the whole picture. The whole picture is is going for attention, um, let's see what Andrew's going, you know, Mr. Andrew's going to do about this one, you know. He thinks it's funny, and I so did I. It was it was a great catch, and I thought it was hilarious, but I wasn't laughing at him. And, of course, that was all the kids are in there, and they're, they're waiting for my reaction on oh, what's going to happen here, you know? And I, 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 think I paused for a number of seconds, and then I just did <laughs> the, slow <clap. laughs> the slow clap. Very good, very good, Gary. That was quite a catch. Now today we've got look, look at this desk here. This is this is prime real estate. This is yours today.
0: I'm, I'm
1: proud <laughs> to announce. Look, this is your. And, and he's going all right. You know. So he had a win because he got his attention. I had a win because I haven't you know lost my call or. And he got on with his work. Like, there's no need to go down that, you know. Right? Any time, you know, rule book, rule number three fifteen, part B. Anybody who's seen flying horizontal across the class to catch a duster is automatically in, you know, stage two detention or something, which is this standard kind of teacher sort of operating procedure. But I think every situation, I think you need to take on its on its merits. And and I the, the response that I chose then was the best one for the Desired outcome, which was lessons not disturbed, kid gets on with his work. It's sort of an acknowledgement of of him and and you know, and rapport wasn't 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 lost and all that sort of stuff. So,
0: so that's yeah. a reactionary example where you've walked in and a student's doing something that that you potentially could have reacted to. Absolutely. What, what about situ- what about situations where you have perhaps uh, either made a made a mistake or made an error of judgment or got something wrong yeah. or or forgotten something or said. Uh, I tell you what, I'll have your assignments marked by Monday, and then Monday comes around, and well, you didn't mark them because you, you yeah know, yeah for all all of the reasons that could have happened. So, what about that kind of a
1: situation? Well, the apology thing is really big because I don't think it's talked about enough. I, I, th- I think a lot of teachers are very scared of apologising um, for two reasons. One, I think some people lack humility because in order to apologise genuinely, you've got to have humility. Yes. And, and they don't like to be seen as, as having made a mistake. Well, well that's a hell perhaps. of a... Yeah. But the, the thing is, like, so let's look at a more extreme example. Let's say, not that this would have ever happened to me, but let's say that uh, I was in a class and things went pear-shaped, but, but you know, I made some errors of judgments and maybe I barked at the kids inappropriately or something happened and it's kind of set them off and it sort of the lesson didn't go well and maybe a couple of kids... Got hauled over the coals at the end of the lesson, whatever. Um, you know, not that I would ever done, but never had an experience like that in my time, Colin. But <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't actually recall a specific example, but I know that's happened. And so, what do you do? So the, the lessons ended on a bad note. You're going to face them the next day, and so how are you going to resurrect this? class from from the ashes, you know. So you can kind of pretend it never happened or you can come in, like, do the disciplinarian thing and 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 basically make make them feel that it's all their fault when you know damn well, actually, Richard, you yeah. set up it was all that fate. up. Yes, that's right. Um, well, it's not a fault thing. It's just, look, because of my actions, th- these were the reactions and that's what I ended up with, you know. Um, so, so rather than that, you go in and say, right, kids – I've got a few things I need to say. So they all think they're, in, they're going to be read the right act. And I go, look, I've, I've thought about that lesson. wasn't a great, it wasn't some, it wasn't our finest hour, was it? I <laughs> know. And you just acknowledge the reality. And I say, look, i thought about that. I actually said, I have to take a fairly, most of the responsibility for that because the way this happened, the way that happened, you don't have to drag out all the details, but you just admit that you made a mistake somewhere. And, uh, Apology accepted, and they go yes, you know, and then you can move on. So today we're going to do this, you know, and then that gives you a platform to s- establish some new, you know, short-term rules, and that's what we're going to do today. And then then you can pull it out, you know, um, and and ter- turn turn you know, make the next lesson a really positive one.
0: What about uh, what about the concept of transparency when you're in a situation in the classroom where you know that uh, when you're teaching a certain piece of content or discussing a certain uh, concept? That you know that you don't know the answer, and you get that you get that slightly hot under the collar feeling, and you think, uh, "Actually, I
1: really don't know." <laughs> so- well, there's two there's two levels to that. I, I you're taking me back to early my early days where sure, you know, and this is in the maths world where you're literally half a step ahead of the kids, and you're you're freaking out. You know, actually, here's a, here's an interesting story. I I, I've done a, a number of casual teaching stints because I had a bit of a nomadic period. I en- ended up in Darwin for um, uh, six months and I was doing casual teaching up there. So I'm in this senior senior college and I had to take over this class and I hadn't taught a lot of um, high-end maths at, at that point. Um, so I had to take over this... Uh, I would describe him as a, a mathematical genius and he was teaching calculus and I'm thinking... Like, he is just, like, so far ahead of me. How am I going to take over this class, you know? And so what I did, I worked my butt off and and, and looked at all the work we had to do. And I I did on – you remember the old computer paper that was kind of had uh, – yeah. I it. do. It, it zigzagged as you – That's right. I, I, I had a ream of that and I did all the solutions for these questions that I knew that these kids had to do. Like I spent hours on this because I thought this is the only way I can survive this encounter, right? And so when he left and I came in, I said to these guys, I said, look, let me tell you straight, right? Like I've been teaching for a while, but I'm not in the league of Mr. whatever his name was at all, right? I'm kind of really not far ahead of where you guys are at. So I'm seeing this next couple of weeks as a workshop where we're going to do this together. That's an interesting approach guess what? I've done some work here. Here's <laughs> all the solutions. Now I can explain this from the solutions, but this is how, this is the only way this is going to work, right? And it worked a charm. And I had some of these kids said to me, you know, I'm actually preferring this method better so because told. I'm understanding more. Yeah, because, right. because he was a genius at I, I learned a lot about Calculus just watching him, but he was too far ahead of some of the kids and sort of couldn't pull it back. So that's – but if I'd gone in there pretending that I knew what I was doing, I was just going to be crucified. So I I didn't – you know, I wasn't thinking, well, I'll be, be transparent here and I'll be a wonderful person. That was just me. Trying to survive a situation that I didn't want to fail in, and that was the only solution I could come up with. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: Sounds—it sounds like classroom management could be massively impacted by the concept of transparency.
1: Do you think that's oh, something that
0: we should be talking more about—the relationship between those two things?
1: Well, you know that you're not allowed to smile until Easter. Oh, when yeah, you have a first. First class. The number of the number, <laughs> yeah, you because know, I've worked with teachers. I got these online courses, right? The number of teachers that quote that back to me because I, I obviously advocate something completely different, and 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 the number of stories. It's like, yes, well, I was told that you know not to smile before, and, until Easter and all that, and I thought, I don't believe you, and I didn't. <laughs> and um, mind you, in my first couple of years, you know, I, I always. I'd, I'd have a new class. I think, oh, this this is great. You know, we get on so well. It's going to be fantastic. And then a week later, it it'd be it somehow the bottom had fallen out of the whole thing, and I was completely offside. I'm going, how did that happen? I didn't see I didn't see the signs. You know, so look, I think everyone's done their own journey. You've got to kind of work it out for yourself. But um, I'm, the problem is some teachers think that being friends with kids is the same as having rapport with them, and it's not. I was going to ask Uh, you that
0: question because there must be a limit somewhere. So, uh, Well,
1: you've got to have a line. And and sometimes, you know, you've got to have a line that you draw, right? And I've actually said to some kids, kids who have stepped over that line or or been too friendly with me or whatever, and I go, Josephine, there's a line on the ground. You might not be able to see it, but you've just stepped over it. And and they they kind of get what you're saying. You don't have to sort of say, well, you can't say that like that way or whatever. But but you do. Um, yeah, a lot of people when you're talking about rapport, it's like, well, I'm not going to have rapport because that's, you know you can't be friends with kids. And I mean, also a lot of teachers think mm. that it's not the case. Um, you uh, Steve Bidoff uh, in one of his uh, talks said that look, girls tend to be. F- bit more resilient with this but if a boy thinks you don't like him whether you do or not it's irrelevant if a boy thinks you don't like him he will not learn from you yeah period so well I don't have to be you know I don't have to be like my kids uh, yes you do um, they they need to well they need to have the sense that you like them as people well
0: that just comes back to again a very simple human element doesn't it if, if people it's don't it's ha- already- if people don't have relationship, then it's going to be very hard to communicate. And if the basis of your communication is teaching and learning, then it would be fair to say, or it would be plausible, I think, to, to consider that teaching is going to be severely hampered by a, by a poor relationship. So, coming back to my question, so is this? Is I'm curious to hear that your uh, that your participants in your online courses are reporting that whole "don't smile until Easter" phenomenon. Uh, in fact, I was at a school once where the uh, the director of studies was addressing the staff and accidentally got that one wrong and said, "Now remember, don't smile until Christmas." <laughs> and and mate, everyone said, mate, didn't get
1: it wrong, maybe, maybe believe it." <laughs> well,
0: he quickly corrected <laughs> himself at the time, but but I'm curious: is this something that should that should go back to the teachers and say, "Well, no, actually, you need to you need to reflect on why you've." Mentioned to me in this course that you, we shouldn't be smiling until Easter, and maybe we should take that back and and send that back down the line. Maybe maybe all the way to the universities and say,
1: well, look, can we address that one more time, please? Look, I don't know what the direct answer is, maybe, because maybe for some teachers they need to not smile until Easter. I don't know; it's it's an individual. <laughs> no, no, you know, but it, you know, I'm talking about a teacher who's really struggling. It's it's difficult when you first, you know, when you've not seen a a, a practising teacher for for years and then you've got one in your classroom yes. and you and it's a really good class and these angel kids are starting to act up and you're in the sitting in the back corner and you go and then you you're watching this teacher and you go oh my god I used to do this too yeah, sure he's he's not seeing these little sparks that are happening that yeah. are going to turn into bushfires and it was such a trip down memory lane and you realize how much an experienced teacher is just doing the stuff without yeah. even knowing it, yeah. just putting out little spot fires. And, and, but but um, but rapport and uh, you know, relationship is so important. I don't even know why anyone bothers studying it. Why do we have to study and do research on whether or not having a quality relationship with students <laughs> helps learning?
0: <laughs> it's oh, like, well. does
1: having a quality relationship with your children help you to parent? Um Hang on, let me think about that. Why do we have to study this? It's the most obvious human thing.
0: Well, I was just thinking back to your <laughs> reams of computer paper, Richard. Someone has to use all those up. We have to write reports that we can print out onto those hu- huge, oh. enormous reams of, of computer paper. I want to ask you, do you, th- do you think that a, a, a greater awareness of the concept of transparency could be merged yeah. into what we might call uh, yeah. a more modern approach
1: to teaching? I'm just I'm just writing down that word. I think I need to write a couple of articles on this. <laughs> no, well I've never, you know, I've never really thought about it in transparency terms. But that's it's like it's another way of saying, hey, here's an idea. Why don't you try and be a human in the classroom?
0: <laughs> Instead of some you know, construct of a human.
1: And and look, I don't want to criticize teachers, but y- y- you know who we're talking about. There are some teachers who I don't know what they're like in their normal life, but they're not a very user-friendly kind of person in the classroom. And there's this teacher persona, which is not terribly friendly or relatable. And it, my point is, like, even if you forget about the learning, like, why wouldn't we do things that make our job as teachers much easier? And if, and if our job's easier and then more effective, then obviously the learning's going to happen. Mm.
0: Well, I think, again, that comes back to human interaction, uh, generally, because in, in any form of interaction, if, if things aren't going well, then it's, it's, not going to be, it's not going to be a great experience. And I, I, I wonder whether the classroom is just one of those ex, uh, environments where because of the nature of what it is, you've got a lot of students, it's a classroom situation, maybe they don't want to be there. It's particularly sensitive to those sorts of poor
1: dynamics. Well, it's a pressure cooker, isn't it? Mm. So you which, you may, te- which may, Because it's a pressure cooker, it's even more important to have those human elements, I think.
0: So what difference does it, has this idea made to you in the online space? Because you've been doing uh, um, professional development courses with teachers now for many years. Yeah. Can you still be transparent in the online space?
1: Yes, you can. Now, here, l- this leads me to another point, because how many professional development courses have you been to, whether they're online or face-to-face, where the presenter at the front, you, you're looking at them and you go, oh, my God, I finally met – a perfect human being who's never made any <laughs> mistakes in the classroom. This person is like a god. And and all the wisdom is dripping down. And you don't even know this is going on, but you sort of think, oh wow, they've never had any student management issues. They've never had any kids offside. Not not even if they're not they might not might not even be talking about student student management or engagement. But and you think, and that that's the that's the status quo, isn't it, for PD? Well, normally but, you you see the ideal picture, don't you? You see the ideal picture, and I thought because my picture's not never been ideal, um, and you know my mantra is well, I've made more mistakes than any teacher alive, so I, that was, <laughs> I, I should be proud of that, you know, and and, and learn from them, thankfully. Um, so I take the opposite. I take the opposite route. I, I'm very transparent in my courses, and I I tell stories that I think not not to beef me up, but I tell stories that I think will relate to to uh, the the, t- the teachers, and so you know, in a in, in a math course, I've got you know the four four classic sort of classroom scenarios, and I just list them off. I have a lot of people say, "Have you been in my classroom lately, Richard? Like, how do you know? Because you, you're articulating exactly as it as it as it as it unfolds." Um, but that all I'm doing is drawing on. My experience is these are the kind of the worst four scenarios that you have. Now, one's learned helplessness. One's like, just give us the formula, sir. Don't don't bother with the understanding. And you know all this, and, and a couple of others. You know, um, target practice out the front. You know, so when when you take centre stage and you want to actually do your lecture, that's when the the problems start. You know, all the off task. You know, and. and and, but I, I, I articulate that in, in, in very feet-on-the-ground sort of language. So I, I go the opposite route, but what I know is people really appreciate it because that disarms them, because I want people to tell their stories and go, oh, yeah, well, I've got this G 9 class at the moment, and they're, they're driving me nuts. And, and then you can really help them out because they're being very honest Um about their situation, and then you see some of the turnaround stories that that happened three months later, and you go, "Wow, this is fantastic!" But if I if I wasn't leading by example there, I don't think that would happen.
0: So, in the online space, you communicate that with your participants through. I'm just trying to think practically now. You you tell them stories by writing it down in discussion forums. Do you do you talk and
1: do about and, and video? I, you talk about those things, yeah, video. Yeah. So that 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 uh, that story about me. Being in a a room where I'm, I'm being the grump, and then I have this epiphany: what, who is this guy in your class destroying your classroom, Richard? Like, get him out! Get him out! (laughs) You need to be in here, not that idiot! Like, get him out! And I I actually tell that story, and it, and it it seems to. resonate with a lot of a lot of teachers so i'm
0: picking up it's a very cool. strong theme of self-reflection here do you think that that's the place where people need to start i mean you, you, it's, look it's very it's very it's very noble of you to uh to say that you're you've made more mistakes than any other teacher that you know of or et cetera. Et cetera. but um self-reflection can be a difficult thing is is that a good starting point for teachers who want to have a, have a bit of a think about this concept
1: i i don't think look i think some humans some people are um natural self-reflectors and, and I think it doesn't come as naturally to others but if you're in the teaching game and you're not self-reflecting then you're really going to find it hard to, to, to the, the, the avenues aren't open to develop and um, so I've found some ways online, it's harder in a face-to-face situation but online it is actually, you can structure content and then pose specific questions and you kind of Create it in a way that no teacher gets away without self-reflecting, and it's not in a it's not in a threatening uh, way either. Um, but self-reflection is really important, and um, it sort of lays the foundation for because if you want if you want to suggest some other procedures and strategies that they can use that have got. Uh, merit then you kind of need to be, to be thinking about what they're doing now in order for that to happen I used to go in face-to-face situations and just hit hit them with these you know good strategies but we hadn't done the reflection and it never it never really worked so yeah I, I, I think self-reflection is essential. You you
0: mentioned just before that you've had uh, some some of your participants in your online courses coming back a couple of months later after having made some sort of a, a realization do you find that across the across the board with your participants, that that represents a minority or about half or, or or many or most of your participants come back and say, actually, I've had a really good think about this and and uh, I've made a few positive changes. What what sort of percentage of people do you think come back with a self-reflective uh, reaction?
1: Well, they all do because it's required. The, the, the comments, the self-reflective comments are, are required. I mean, I don't say that you have to self-reflect, but the way I've set it up, they, you can't not. So I've never had anyone... It took me a while to work this out, right? I, I have I have this thing called <laughs> – I have this in one – I don't if it's in just one because I've got a couple of engagement courses, one one for math teachers and one for one for other teachers, and um, I don't know if it's in one or both of them, but I, I have this thing called a, um, a thought provoker, and I explain that A thought provoker is just me. I, I, I chuck things on a page. I don't even necessarily believe them, but it's there. It's designed to provoke thought. It's the, the whole thing. And that gives me a platform to say whatever I like because I, I've kind of – I've given a disclaimer because I'm not saying that I believe this. But so we talk about student engagement, we talk about I don't know what we talk about, but just things that are, uh, are uh, foundational to the what's coming. You see, and so that that gives me the freedom to say some somewhat provocative statements, and then people reflect on that and they, well, actually I believe you know, I'm sort of with you on some of that, but not on that. And that's all I want. I'm not saying we've well, got to be on my team. And I'm sort of also inviting skepticism. Well, oh, this all sounds good, Richard, but I can't see how it works in practice. Thanks, Colin, for that. I really appreciate that. I'm serious mm. because that's a comment what a lot of people think. Stay tuned. I really want to know what you think by the end of the course. So that's del- I'm deliberately setting that up because I want to get out the skepticism early on. Um,
0: and I guess you're it, showing a, a genuine interest in what they actually think regardless of, regardless of what it ab- actually is that they think. Absolutely
1: yeah and it helps them to realize what they think as well so you you said what what percentage of people change well but no pretty much everybody um talks about oh my god the you know i i I tried this and that and yeah the the kids are way more engaged i'm finding my passion for teaching again yeah they don't all say that but i mean that's it's a common theme because um and and so they should you know like if if it's not happening, if someone's just going through the course and and no change happened, then I've failed, I should just give them their money back because <laughs> and, 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 no, I'm serious. if they' have, if they've put effort into it and and for four months or so and they haven't got any gains, well then I'm wasting their time. The whole point of this is that people change. so yeah.
0: It sounds like you're making really valuable contributions to many teachers' lives. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us this afternoon, Richard.
1: It's been a blast, thanks.
0: You've been listening to an episode of Central Station. If you'd like to get in touch with Richard or find out about his courses on student engagement, you can visit his website, learnimplementshare.com, or simply send him an email, richard at learnimplementshare.com, and those details are available in the show notes for this episode. For more information about our other guests and episodes, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, or visit the website, central.com.au slash podcast. I'm Colin Klupik, until next time, bye for now.